about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Bible reading tonight is from Ephesians. It's on the slide behind me. It's also in your handouts. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to say a prayer. Would you join me? Lord, we do give glory to you, and uh, we pray with great thankfulness that the love of Christ has been poured out upon us, Lord. Grant us to grasp it more deeply, uh, that we may be filled with the power of your own rich, wonderful life. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So last week... We started talking about our vision uh, for NEAC, Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. Um, I hope you're encouraged. We celebrated what God has been doing here, um, and we began to think about what next. Our vision prayer, uh, if you've never heard it before, is that we may become more and more a community deeply and beautifully shaped by the good news of Jesus, holding it out to those around us with confidence, gentleness, and joy. That's what we're praying for in this season. Uh, We also began thinking last week about where this leads us in the year ahead. And the big picture I suggested is basically to stay on target, uh, to keep moving in the direction we've said. And I suggested we're going to have three main kind of focuses, foci, to help us stay on target. Um, Continuing to work on our... Having a kind of extending a warm and hospitable welcome, um, that's just something you need to just keep building. You can never take for granted. Uh, secondly, uh, get following through on our plans to replant a congregation at Erskineville, and we had another meeting this afternoon about that, and it's just, it's just really encouraging to see that coming along. And thirdly, uh, to participate in this, this campaign called Meet Jesus. That's going to take go over the whole year. I'll say a bit more about that in a bit. That these goals, though, are not the only things that matter next year. This church does 
lots of other things, lots of other things, um, an amazing amount really. Um, our community priorities, which I talked about last week, Susan mentioned one of them. I'm really glad you noticed that, Susan. If you weren't here, you can watch the live stream. There's also some, some sheets listing them on the way out. Um, they're kind of buff-coloured sheets. Have a look. Uh, they are designed to show and to value the whole range of ways in which we hope to be growing as a community and describe kind of something of what it means to be shaped by the gospel. I hope you're excited about these plans. I really am. I'm really full of kind of hopefulness and, and, and gladness about this. Um, but it would be easy as well to feel a little daunted. Um, I think especially if you're in the thick of these things, if you're, if you're somebody like Susan or Fergus trying to run a ministry with not quite enough resources and we're talking about doing more. Because the plain fact is there's a lot to do. We have a lot on our, pl on our plate as a church. Let me just talk to you about one aspect but that it's worth being honest about. Last Monday night, Parish Council took some time to begin prioritising all the maintenance jobs we have as a church. Um, it is pretty overwhelming. It is, uh, there's, there's the roof over the creche area at that end, uh, needs fixing. Uh, that's a tricky job because this is an old heritage building. We've got a matching grant for it, but it will cost us. Uh, the windows and the protective screens on this side need fixing, but this glass is pretty tricky. Uh, we've got a grant for new security fencing, which is wonderful, but we need to plan that out and make it happen. It's all a lot of work doing that kind of thing. The whole kitchen needs replacing, as does the roof there, which is not a good design, that roof. The ramp, which you may have seen, it needs realigning because at the moment it's a disabled access ramp that points to the only place you could not possibly access if you were in a wheelchair. Um, we need to renovate the bathrooms in the hall pretty urgently. So a couple of, couple of you told me last night you actually plan most weeks to go to the bathroom at the pub rather than use the church bathrooms. That's not an ideal situation. It's not the most hospitable you know, presence we could have. Um, the rectory roof still needs replacing. We're on the way, but it hasn't happened yet. There are structural repairs needed to the veranda. And then there's our whole other site at Erskineville where there are pretty big drainage and landscaping problems, mould, water ingress through the walls, making replastering difficult. The kitchen needs renovating, as does the car park and the house fence there. And all this is not to mention the $1.5 million we need to fix the spire. And then there's the large heritage-listed cemetery. Thankfully, most of us don't have to worry about the buildings very much. I'm I, to be honest, I don't even have, they're not even my main worry. There are a few special people, church wardens and parish council, who it worries. But you know, even apart from the buildings, many of us will feel a sense of not having enough resources, of there being too much to do, of being overstretched. You may just feel that in your own life. And we may feel it in what we're involved in with church. Where is it all going to come from? Where is all the time, the money, and above all, I reckon, the energy needed to keep moving forward as a church and as people? How on earth are we going to 
manage the things already on our plate, let alone push into the new opportunities before us. I would be lying if I said I didn't sometimes feel a bit daunted. I reckon something like this, a kind of first century version, is why the Apostle Paul records what he's praying for the Ephesians, the way he does in our passage today. Uh, The second bit from this letter from the Ephesians that we're looking at over these two vision weeks, Paul wants to remind them of the extraordinary resources they actually have at their disposal. Not at their disposal, but behind them, supporting them. And as we think about the year ahead, I reckon we might need this reminder too. So look at it briefly with me. I'm just going to say three quick things about this prayer, and then I'm going to return to what this mean, what, where we're going over the year ahead. So Paul's prayer for a moment. Firstly, <clears throat> notice who he prays to, to whom he prays. Um, for this reason, he says in verse, verse 14, I kneel before the Father from whom every, every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. The word family there is literally fatherhood. And what we need to remember here is that Paul was writing to a highly patriarchal society where being a father was actually really about power. Um, Fathers had power, and fatherhoods were powers. Even the Roman emperor was a kind of father. Well, says Paul, I'm praying, you're praying, to the ultimate father. The father from whom every fatherhood is named. And then he goes on in verse 16. The passage is printed if you want to look at it. I'm not going to put it all up. He goes on in verse 16 to remind them that this father is is unbelievably wealthy, out of his glorious riches, he says. Sometimes when people ask me about church finances or or when we've been trying to raise money for something or something, I say, I'm not not worried. My, My father is very rich. Now, those of you who know that my father died many years ago, will not be fooled. But I quite enjoy the sense of awkwardness uh, that comes over people's faces when I say that. But of course, I'm talking about the Lord. That's the truth the apostle wants the Ephesians to remember, first and foremost, that their father is very wealthy. They have the ultimate family privilege to draw on here. But the riches Paul's talking about there are not mainly about money. Actually, uh, they have a relevance for money, but they're not about money. The glorious riches of the Father are the riches of his own life, just himself. This is why what Paul prays for is, is that the life of God will fill the Ephesian church. This is the second thing I want to notice, what Paul prays for. Let me read again from verse 16. If you've got it, have a look there. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how, high, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What Paul prays for here is essentially that God's own beautiful, powerful life, his dynamic life, will flow into and fill the church. 
Now, this is a deep and profound prayer, actually, that deserves a long time, and we can only scratch the surface. But the logic of what Paul says is something like this, is that God's own life is a life of infinite love. It is the love of the Father for the Son in the Holy Spirit and the Son's return of that love to the Father by the same Spirit. It is an an endless, dynamic movement that is at the same time perfect peace and rest. That's a beautiful idea. And through the gospel, through Jesus Christ, that infinite, endless love has overflowed to us through his becoming human, living among us, dying in our place and rising from the dead, the infinite love of God, that is his very life, has been opened up to us. Through faith in Jesus, the spirit that comes out from the Father brings the Son of God into our hearts and lives and community. The love of God becomes a new foundation for our lives and for our life with one another, giving power and dynamism to grow into that love more and more, to grasp and know that love more and more deeply. Don't you love that bit at the end where where paradoxically Paul says that you may know the love that surpasses knowledge? That's beautiful. He says, "I, I want you to know this love, but I know you'll never finish knowing it. I want you to to know the love of Jesus and get something of it. And as you get hold of it, you will realize you'll never fully get hold of this because it is the infinity of God. What we have available to us as a church and as individual people, this is what this means, is nothing less than the fullness of God himself. God doesn't just give us something when he gives us Christ. He doesn't just give us some stuff, some benefits. He gives us himself. And when we know that, when we begin to grasp it, it shatters our assumptions and expectations about what is possible. This is what we see happen to Paul at the end of this prayer. This is the third point. Look at that last section there. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Look what Paul's prayer opens him up to here. To begin to be gripped by the love of Christ, to begin to know the love of God, is to see that our assumptions, our expectations are just, they're actually irrelevant. Take in those words, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I'm not actually the most imaginative person. Uh, My wife laughed this morning when she heard me say that. Um, I mean, it's it's, it's a kind of understatement, right? I'm I'm often content with small things. I go to Newtown, it's full of, I go to the same restaurant and the same coffee coffee place. I I just don't need the... I don't need the the variety of experience. Some people do, not me. Um, I'm satisfied with little bits of progress quite often. You know, even I can imagine rather a lot that God could do in my own life, in the church. And others can imagine much more. 
There are people on parish council, for example, who can imagine a staggering amount that makes me very frightened. Uh, but it's good, it's good. But, you know, uh, Paul's not talking here about just wild dreams. He's thinking of things that we could actually contemplate happening, things we might actually ask for. But either way, what he wants to remind us of is that the Lord can do more. He can do immeasurably more, in fact. That's why we can approach God with great confidence, no matter how stretched we feel, because we know that nothing nothing less than his own infinite Life is available, has been opened to us. And it means our normal expectations of what can happen, they just aren't decisive. As we are gripped ever more fully by the love of Christ, the horizon of possibilities just expands. To him be glory, Paul finishes, in Christ Jesus for all generations. Except that's not what he says. Did you notice? I said it wrong. He doesn't say that. We think he will, but he doesn't. He says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Did you notice that? Maybe he made a mistake. He shouldn't have said that, should he? He does say that. In the church. God has gone all in on the church, brothers and sisters on the people, the community that confesses the name of Jesus. That is where God has chosen to show his glory. And we are part of that. And so we can persevere. We can ask and imagine and plan and keep going with great confidence. I hope this will be encouragement to all of you as we come to the end of this year and head into the next. As we pray our vision prayer and seek to pursue it in a whole range of ways, and I'll talk about a bit more about them in a second. I hope it will be an encouragement when it feels like resources are a bit thin, when church feels a bit weak, when you feel a bit weary. Don't lose heart. Because where the love of Jesus has been opened up, the power of God's own life is there full of blessing. And he is going to show his glory in the church in ways we cannot even imagine now. Amen? Amen. All right. With that in mind, then, I'm going to move on to think about what we might ask and imagine, because we've got we've to ask and imagine something, knowing that God can do whatever he wants. Are we going to get a bit practical here? And towards the end of this bit, it will get a bit dull. But you'll be okay, so don't worry. I want to talk about three things here. First, how you can take part. Second, about staffing next year. And thirdly, and more briefly, about the budget. The first is the most important. I want to encourage all of us to think about our contribution next year. How can you be a part of this? Uh, How might you get involved? Um, I've been hugely encouraged over the past year by the initiative and energy people have shown in making things happen. Praise God. Because... I mean, that's the key, actually. We can have all the plans and strategies we want, but at the end of the day, this church is in your hands. So how can you get involved? Here are six ways. Uh, Six ways. Pray intentionally. Take a risk in serving. Give as you're able. Prioritize fellowship. I say join in there, but I thought that was a bit lame, so I've changed it to prioritize later. 
support the Meet Jesus campaign and share your ideas. Let's go through them quickly. First, pray intentionally for our church, the people here, the things you're involved in. By pray intentionally, I mean don't just have a warm feeling towards church and say you're praying for church. I mean, that's great. I really hope you do have a warm feeling towards church. Great. But you can do more than that. Okay, can I encourage you to think about putting the vision prayer or the community priorities on your, on your fridge and praying it sometimes maybe with your household? Can I encourage you, why not tonight put a reminder in your phone that will go off once a month to pray for church? Why not find a way next year to pray intentionally for us? It is the best thing you could do for us. Please do. Second thing, take a risk in serving. I want to encourage you to take a risk. What do I mean? I mean, think about putting your hand up or offering to serve somewhere you're not sure about. There are a bunch of places, and we've heard about some of them tonight, where we need help. Help, and people often feel like, oh, they couldn't, I couldn't do that thing. Um, some of them are hospitality, welcoming, youth and kids, we belong. Can I um, really emphasize hospitality and welcoming? We, we really need to build our capacity for that at Church in the Graveyard. Uh, we need some more people to, we need somebody to step up and say, I would like to kind of lead this and, and help make hospitality after church and in the middle of church happen. We need some more people to say, yeah, I'm willing to be part of that. I can, I can pack up, I can set up, I can occasionally help. It's, it's, it's a small thing if there's a lot of people, but it's a really important thing. We would love to have some more people on the welcoming team at Church in the Graveyard. We don't have enough. We've got some great welcomers. That's fantastic. We need some more. And do you know, welcoming is the kind of thing people often feel like, oh, no, 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 I couldn't do that. I couldn't. Do you know, those people with a little bit of training often make the best welcomers. Can I encourage you to think about putting your hand up for that? Leading youth, leading kids in the morning. We really do need help. Leading We Belong. I, I really want We Belong to continue. I think it is a beautiful thing. And can I say... If you were going to pick, if you really want to, if you were going to pick one thing, I, I can, I think it would be one of the best things you could do to grow in your faith next year, if you want to be part of something. Uh, I, when I go, which is not often enough, but I do love to go, it's incredibly joyful. Can I really encourage somebody here to think about this? There are other things we may even approach you at some point, but. Friends, take a risk in serving next year. Maybe you're not sure if you've got enough time. Maybe just take a risk. Thirdly, give as you are able. I'll say a bit more about the budget in a minute, but let me just say that again that we depend utterly at this church on the financial support of our members. So if you are part of this church and you are not giving, can I just encourage you to think about whether you could? in 2024. And if you are giving, thank you. As you'll see in a minute, it's, the giving has been generous and has put us in a good position this year. Uh, please continue next year to give as you are able. Fourthly, prioritise fellowship. By this I mean 
commit time to people at church. Can I encourage you to think about doing this in two ways? They're there. First, join a connect group. As I put up before in 2024, that's the morning one, that's the evening one. In 2024, we have some great plans for connect groups. Here they are again. Um, if you can't join a whole year-long group, and lots of you have this year and it's been great, why not think about being part of a course? You, I can almost guarantee that you'll have a better experience of being part of this church if you do. Secondly, let me say, um, can I encourage you to regularly give some informal time to building relationships with people from this congregation? Right? It's key. Building relationships, making time for others, going out to dinner, uh, you know, catching up with somebody during the week, that will make a huge difference to your and other people's experience of this church. Can I encourage you to think about doing it? prioritizing it in 2024. Fifthly, support the Meet Jesus campaign. We're going to say more about this next year, but basically there will be uh, two main things. There's going to be praying regularly for two people you know who are not Christians, and there's going to be being part of this period where we devote some time and invite people to come and meet Jesus. There's going to be opportunities. Can I encourage you to support it? And sixthly, let me encourage you to share your ideas. Lots of great things have happened in this church in the last year that I have had nothing to do with. The women's breakfast were just Caitlin's... Where are you? She's gone. They were just Caitlin's idea. I, I did not come up with the idea for the women's breakfast. You'll be pleased to know. The cool Christmas stuff that's about to unfold. I didn't mention this before, but starting from this week... There's going to be a whole series of Advent devotions and people have done artworks attached to them and they're going to be coming out and it's, it's fantastic. If you don't get the weekly newsletter or don't look at it, look at it over the next four weeks, if never again, because it's going to be really good. That's all come from Megan and her team. Got nothing to do with me. Um, you know, if everything in church had to come from, like me, it would be so boring. It's just so boring. You know, but thank God it's not like that. I would love us to be a church more and more where initiative bubbles up and energy flows. And as long as I can see how these things support our priorities as a church in, in, in generally, I, I really want to back things. So can I encourage you, share your ideas, not just with, with me, with one another. See if, you, see if these are good ideas. See if we can get some energy going. So there's six things. There'll be more. But here are six ways you could get behind our vision for church next year. Okay, the second thing I want to talk about is our staff team. Over the past three years, there's been a lot of change in the staff team. If you're new, you won't know this, but if you've been here for a while, you will. Two long-term assistant ministers, Mike Hastie and Matt Aroni, uh, went left to take on senior leadership roles at other churches um, as did Phil Walker-Harding, who was with us a day a week. Our administrator, Xanthi, uh, resigned in order to go to Bible college. How selfish. And Becky Phillip finished as a student minister, and she was a big part of this uh, the staff team here. We've also brought in new staff. Fergus, who was up before, joined us in a staff role. Uh, Jenny Wallace became our parish administrator and saved my life. Uh, Janelle Brave came on this year as a communications coordinator, and Peter and Marcel Rogers came on as assistant ministers. Initially, Peter and Marcel were three days and one day. After Matt left, they went to four days and two days. So they 
add up to a full-time assistant minister position, but frankly, they provide about one and a half, which I feel a bit bad about, but I'm glad. Now, I would love to be able to tell you that that was it. That's all the change. Sadly, I can't, because a month or so ago, Kez Ashby gave us notice that she would be resigning at Easter next year. Kez is here. Where are you, Kez? She's up the back. Um, so she's, uh, she's given me the words to express her decision, but she's really happy to talk to you about it. Uh, she said, this decision comes after realising the need to continue to work out how to be stretched and grown in ministry. She has decided that the best way to do this was to have the courage to step down from ministry here to allow room to explore what this might look like for her. Um, I actually think it's a, it's a really mature uh, decision on Kez's part, even though it's a real bummer. This is another loss for us as a church. Yeah, great slides, Andrew. Uh, it's a loss for me as a as leader of the team. Uh, Kez has brought a wealth of ministry experience and ability to our staff team, an amazing level-headedness, and a willingness to learn and do almost anything. I'm really going to miss Kez. We'll say more about this next year. Uh, but for now, I just want to say, so there's going to be more change. In addition, we're saying goodbye to two student ministers at the end of this year, James Chen and Jordan Cunningham. What does that mean for staffing next year? Uh, well, the first thing to say is that Kez is here for a while yet, uh, and we intend to make the most of her. Uh, she will be overseeing the uh, connect groups getting started and uh, helping begin the Erskineville congregation and a range of other things. I'm really glad she's here for a while yet. The second thing to say is that in due course, we will be thinking about hiring a new assistant minister of some kind. Uh, we've grown overall as a church, and we need to make sure we have a senior ministry staff team adequate to meet our needs. Um, but we are not going to rush this. I'm, I'm not about to announce a new person. I reckon it's going to take us a year or so uh, to get to that step. I'll say more about why in a bit. But in the third place, in the short term, there are actually some exciting other staff changes to let you know about. Uh, these are, firstly, in 2024, James McDonald will join our staff team as music director, two days per week. Uh, James is a lovely guy. He is, he's going to come with... He, he's getting married on December the 16th, so he and Beck uh, will come. They're moving in from the Blue Mountains. Um, James already works for Emu Music part-time and will continue in that role next year. Uh, he's an excellent musician and I'm confident will be a great gift to our music team. Uh, this is an investment to make sure our music, which is already great, is sustainable over the long term. Secondly, next year, Megan Haviland, pictured with Bird, Megan is going to move from three days to four days per week in order to take on overall oversight of kids and youth and to support the pastoral ministry of the evening congregation. So you'll start to see Megan in the evenings as well. Uh, Megan is a real gift to us, and I'm, I'm really excited about this. Finally, from next year, we'll be joined by two new paid student ministers, uh, Nick Muley, who's coming from New Zealand uh, and is now a little older than he looks in this photo, and, 
and Zach Anderson, who's going into fourth year at Moore College, and both of them have uh, good kind of position descriptions that I've worked on with them. What does all this mean for us? Well, here's a summary of our staff, our ministry staff profile. This is minus the student ministers. Now, I know that would take a long time to sink in, but I just want to give you a sense of what things are like. Um, in the first part of 24, if you add the two student ministers, so what this means is in the first part of next year, we will have nine paid ministry staff with a total full-time equivalent of 4.3. After CARES leaves in April, the full-time equivalent will be more like 3.7. Uh, the big days from a staff point of view are Monday, Thursday, and Sunday, but there are people around most days, though Tuesday is very quiet. Um, our admin staff, Jenny, is tends to be here at the back end of the week. Janelle's going to be here on Mondays. Um, I'd also like to point out that our staff team is shaped by our priorities as a church. Our new staff, Peter and Marcel, have a clear focus on our priority areas of evangelism and welcoming, as will Nick, uh, one of our student ministers. Uh, but, and other staff have position descriptions shaped by our other priorities. Okay, now that's all getting into the weeds a little bit, but I just wanted to give you a bit of a heads up of where we're heading staff-wise. Finally, I want to give you a brief sense of how we have planned financially for all of this. Uh, last Monday, Parish Council approved a budget for 2024 that is designed to support these plans. Uh, obviously, I'll spare you most of the detail, but here is the overview. Um, okay, a couple of things to point out about this. I'm sure you've just taken that all in straight away. Uh, firstly, uh, the key income item for us is always offertory. Uh, so this, this number here is our budgeted offertory, our giving for next year. Some churches earn big bucks from their property, not us. We do okay, but it's the giving that makes or breaks us. Um, now, this budgeted offertory figure is actually an increase on our projected actuals, and that's because this figure includes a $40,000 bequest we got from a, a person who died, who was part of this church some time ago, and who gave us a bequest. If you take the bequest money away, this figure is a 1.24% increase on our projected actuals. Does that make sense? Makes sense to some of you. If you want to ask about this, I'm really happy to talk about this, or the wardens are. Um, but it's also, it's actually an 8.5% increase on our budgeted offertory for this year. And that is super encouraging. And that's because what actually came in has been significantly more than we budgeted. So what we have budgeted for next year is a, a very modest increase, 1.24%. The second thing to say is that this bottom line is actually better than it looks. It looks like we're budgeting for a loss, but actually what this doesn't include is that we're planning to use uh, some money in a significant bequest we have on the books uh, um, to pay for one of the new staff members. And uh, that we got a bequest many years ago that is money that has to be spent on ministry staff. The parish council are planning to do so. And so if you take that out, we're in surplus. Thirdly, this budget is based on CARES being here until April and then us not hiring a new assistant minister until the end of the year. That makes it obvious, I hope, that 
bringing in a whole new person, whether full-time or significant part-time, would be a big undertaking for us. Um, But I think we will be in a position to do it because we have a good balance sheet, as I talked about last week, and we have some flexibility built into the system. Uh, And the aim is to grow our staff team over the coming two years, though I just want to mention that will only be possible if we can kind of keep going the way we're going. It may be a bit bumpy over the next year, but we'll see how we go. Okay, I've gone on a little long. The back end of this was always going to get into the weeds a little bit, but I thought it was worth trying to walk the line between too much and too little detail. Don't worry, we don't do this very often. Uh, If you would like to talk to me about any of these things, I'm really happy to. I can share you you the slides, and and we want this to be transparent, and so there's no problem coming and chatting about this. But I want to, most of all, encourage us to all to think carefully and boldly about our contribution next year. Uh, friends, I, I love this place. I love this church. And I'm so encouraged by what God is doing here. So let me just finish by leading us in prayer. Would you pray? Almighty God, in you is endless energy and perfect peace the perfect dynamism of the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we are blown away, Lord, that that love has overflown to us into our hearts as we are drawn into your embrace through faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Give us power, Lord, to grasp the love of Christ more deeply. Grip us ever more firmly in your gentle embrace and free us ever more joyfully for your service. Do great things in this church, Father, more than we can ask or imagine. Take our feeble plans and fumbling steps and turn them towards your purposes. Make us more and more a community deeply and beautifully shaped by the good news of Jesus, holding it out to those around us with confidence, gentleness, and joy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, what better way to respond than to sing of the love of Christ, the the love of the Father for us, vast beyond all measure. Please stand. Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.